Are we all now? There we go. Isn't that good news that no matter what, God still loves us? As his children, we will always be his children. And you know, God loved us even when we were his enemy. He sent his son to die on the cross. Today we're coming to a wrap up of this portion of our study in Romans as we've been looking at God's nature. We've been looking uh, at this for several weeks now. If you'll go ahead and take your Bibles and open them with me to Romans chapter 11 verse 25. And as you're turning there, understand we've been looking at in uh, Romans 9, the sovereignty of God. In Romans 10, we looked at the justice of God. And then in chapter 11, we've been looking at the faithfulness of God. And I love how Paul writes in his Bible, uh, in the scriptures, and in his letters. And at the end of each section, he kind of wraps it up. So we're really going to have a good summary today of what we've been looking at over the last few weeks as he's been talking about Israel and looking at God's faithfulness. Some may ask, well, what about the nation of Israel? God chose them. They were his people. And when they turned their back on him by rejecting his son that he sent to be their Messiah, that the favor and all of the glory that was on the Israelites then transferred over and the gospel opened up to, thankfully, us as Gentiles to be able to receive that message. And some says, well, has God forgotten them? And what does Paul say? May it never be. God is faithful. Regardless of what you might be going through, regardless of what they were going through, regardless of any stance in this world, our God is faithful. He is always faithful and he will always uphold his promise. And there is coming a day and we're going to be looking at that when Israel will be restored into their rightful place and all of their favor as we look at this faithfulness of God. Today I want us to, as we wrap up, talk about the restoration of Israel. You know, these, as preachers, there's parts of Bibles that are easier to preach than others. We love the New Testament, and we especially love the ender parts of Romans and others where there's more application, but... We have to preach the whole Bible, amen? I have to tell you all of the Bible, and some of it is informational. And that's what we're seeing here is we're learning the nature of God by looking at his faithfulness necessarily more than there is for us to pick up and go do. You know, everything in the Bible isn't about what we need to do because we don't do anything for our salvation. God's Bible is here so that we can learn who he is and he does give us things to do out of obedience for him. But I want us to look at this restoration of Israel because that means a lot to us. At least it means a lot to me because if my God can choose someone and then choose to move his favor period of time, is he going to keep up with what he promised? He made them a pro- He made them a covenant. And I want us to understand today that when our God makes a covenant, he's able to keep that covenant. Amen. He made a new covenant. That new covenant was through the bloodshed of his son Jesus on that cross that all, anyone, whosoever would call on him as Lord and Savior, repent of their sins, comes into that new covenant. We get washed in the blood and we're guaranteed eternal life with him in heaven, but we're guaranteed life on earth in heaven with him as long as we're in his presence as believers. If you would stand with me this morning as we read beginning in in Romans 
chapter 11 and verse 25. For I do not want you brothers to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of their fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. So these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be repaid to him? For from him and through him. And to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Father God, I do thank you again this morning, Lord, for your word. Father, for your desire for your people to know who you are. Father, for your desire even for the enemies, Lord, those who are lost. You want them to know you, Father. You've made the way available. Father, I pray that you would help me to empty myself, Lord of me so that I won't get in the way this morning. And Father, would you speak through me through Holy Spirit? And would you now soften our hearts and open our ears that we may hear from Holy Spirit your word this morning. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Three things I want us to look at this morning, all beginning with M's as we look at the restoration of Israel, God's chosen nation, his people that he chose to be his, and yet when he sent his son to be their Messiah, they rejected him and they killed him. So the first thing I want us to look at is the mystery of God. Uh, Paul began there in verse 25, he says, to, he does not want his brothers, that would be the believers, the Gentiles he's writing to in Rome, to be uninformed of this mystery. The mystery of God. What does he mean by the, what is he talking about? What mystery does he not want them to be uninformed about? But it's about the partial hardening, the fulfillment of the Gentiles, and that all Israel will be saved. We see that. You see it broke down. But he says he doesn't want them to be uninformed of the mystery so that they will not be wise in your own estimation is how we have it in our English Bibles. We talked about uh, idioms Wednesday night. Well, this is an idiom. It's a saying that means something else, a particular period in time. I used the illustration of an idiom Wednesday night of busy as a bee. If you would have went in Bible time and told them they were busy as a bee, they wouldn't know what in the world you were talking about. 
But what does he mean by wise in your own estimation? He says, let me just phrase it for you today. I don't want you to be conceited. Don't be arrogant in what you think. Let me explain to you what is actually happening. Because for the Gentiles at this time, knowing that God had chosen the nation of Israel, that all the favor is now on the Gentile, they could very easily get conceited with because most of the people coming into the faith right now are in the Gentiles. But he said that he wants them to understand. You see there at verse uh, 25 to the partial hardening has happened to the Israelites until the fullness of the Gentiles, and so all Israel will be saved. The, the partial hardening. What does he mean by that? He's talked, we looked at last week, about the hardening of the heart. Remember the Israelite nation? When Jesus came, refused to accept Jesus. Remember when they went before the ruler, and he's like, what do you want me to do with this man? And they said, crucify him. Can you imagine God's own people wanting to crucify God's son? But he said, there's nothing that the man's done. And their hardening came when they refused to believe. And they said, put his blood on us. But it didn't stop there, did it? What else? You remember what I said last week? And on our children. So God's favor, the blessings of God upon the Israelite nation was removed when they rejected his son because God said, you're coming through faith only through my son. I'm giving him for you. When they rejected him, they crucified him. Salvation then opened to all, to the Gentiles. He came in. So there's a partial hardening. Paul says, don't take it that all the nation of Israel as a whole has been thrown out because it hadn't. There are still believers today who are Jews and those in Israel. There are a few of them that are still coming to the knowledge of the faith that Jesus was the Messiah. Why are their hearts hardened? Because of their rejection, they don't believe. And if you don't believe in your heart that Jesus is the Messiah, you're not going to become a believer. If you don't believe in your heart that Jesus is the Messiah, you're sure not going to teach your children that Jesus is Messiah. So this trickles on down and they're still teaching today. It blows my mind when you take a trip to Israel and you get to board on that plane and you go over there And you get to walk where Jesus walked. You get to see all of these things that are described in the Bible. You're right there. The evidence is obvious all around of what had happened. And the tour guides, most of the tour guides or Israelites telling you what happened here, what happened here, what the Bible says. But you will find out very quickly that your tour guide does not believe that Jesus is Messiah. I'm just baffled how they can know the scripture, they can show you the places and still reject it. You see, the blessing and the favor is not there because it has been parsed now. But it's only a partial and it's only for a period of time. And then what does he say? He says, until the fullness of the Gentiles. What is that? There is coming a time, church... When the Gentiles and all believers will be taken up to be with God. When the fullness, the chosen of God and the Gentiles and all those are together. And he comes and takes them. There's coming a time that there will not be an option to choose anymore. 
So he's saying, number one, you need to be ready. Number two, there's coming a time that this partial hardening of Israel is only until the fullness of Gentiles has come in. When all of them are there that God foreknows is coming and he comes and he takes his church out. Guess what's going to happen to the Israelite nation? They're going to go through persecution. Those who are left behind, those who are still alive that have not chosen God. And when persecution happens, it leads people to looking for answers. And there is coming a day when Jesus will come. He will take his church home. Satan will have rule on earth. There will be persecution. And at that time, the Israelite nation will begin to see what's happening and they'll come back. One thing I want you to understand, if you look very closely there at verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. There's a lot of debate. Don't you just love how people can get in they want to debate God's word. There's two sides to this and I want to express both of them to you. One believes that when it says all Israel will be saved, that the entire nation as an Israel of whole will be saved. Just automatically. And the other one is saying that all those who are believing in him All those that will come, there will be a remnant. I do not believe that the Bible is saying that the entire nation of Israel, regardless of anything, is going to be saved. Why do I do that? Nowhere in the Bible do you see an entire nation just being saved. What does the Bible from beginning to end say you must believe? You must have faith. You see, God sent his son Jesus to die on that cross so all who would believe in him, all who choose him through faith could have eternal life. So he's not going to just all of a sudden change and say, well, I chose the nation of Israel, the whole nation's automatically saved. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. But all those and those left, if you look over in Zechariah 13.8, let me just read this to you. It might be on the screen. I don't think so. Zechariah 13 8 and it will be in all the land declares Yahweh that two parts and it will be cut off and the breath there last but the third will be left in it. What's that saying? When this tribulation time comes God comes he takes his church home the nation of Israel two thirds of them will be wiped out through destruction and persecution. There will be one-third left, and this one-third will turn to Christ. So now we see this remnant being used again, this nation of Israel coming to God. And we see that it is through his grace. You see there, verse 26, the deliverer will come from Zion. He's quoting from Isaiah, talking about the deliverer will come from Jerusalem. Well, Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was crucified in Jerusalem. But in the future tense, he's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus will come from heaven to take his people home. It says he will remove the ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. God made that covenant that their people would be saved. And we see that it's grace. See verse 28 from the standpoint of the gospel. They are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice. They are beloved for the sake of their fathers. For the gifts And calling of God are irrevocable. You see, right now, Israel is an enemy. 
to God. They have refused to accept God. That's the only reason they're enemy. They're lost. They're refusing to accept Jesus as Messiah. God sent it. God foretold them. But because they reject, they're enemies. But yet, the nation of Israel is God's chosen nation and he loves them very much. And he has made a covenant with their forefathers. They're still dearly loved and prized. God still values the nation of Israel. But with their heart turned against him, they're his enemies. The second thing I want us to look at in this restoration of Israel, we have the mystery. He wants them to understand there is a partial hardening of the heart of the nation of Israel. will not last forever. It will last until the fullness of the Gentiles. And then at that point, there is no more decision. And we'll be taken home. And then they will come back to him only for a partial period of time. But this is all done through the mercy. It's the second thing, the mercy of God. Just lift up your hand. Are you glad that God showed mercy to you? Amen. Amen. If you're a born again believer, God showed you grace and mercy. He gave us what we didn't deserve. And he didn't give us what we did deserve. Praise the Lord. But his mercy. Look there at verse 30. It says, for just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. Because the Israelite nation, here he goes recapping everything we've been looking at. Because the Israelite nation rejected Jesus as Messiah, it opened the door for us who were disobedient. Talking about the Gentiles. He's saying, you know, don't be ignorant Don't be conceited. You were disobedient before you were called. But when the nation of Israel rejected him because of their disobedience, mercy has been shown to the Gentiles. So he's saying that we have received mercy because of their disobedience. But we also see that the Jews... Look there at verse 31. So there also now have been disobedient that because of the mercy shown to you, they may also now be shown mercy. What's he talking about? Because they rejected Jesus, they crucified Jesus, it opened the door of salvation to everyone. The favor has moved for a period of time from the Israelite nation over to the Gentiles. But because they're seeing the blessing that's happening in the Gentile life, they're going to want what that is. And they're going to see the goodness and the favor. And then in return, they're going to want to come. And they're going to see it because of the crucifixion it has been opened to everyone they will come back in and God will show them mercy and look at the last one 32 for God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all what's he saying he's wrapping up here everyone everyone has been disobedient Adam and Eve were born perfect They chose to sin, tempted by Satan, that serpent. And because of that, and we are all descendants from Adam and Eve, we all have a nature of sin that we're born with. We all choose, all, everyone chooses to be disobedient against God. Well, because of that, God says, I'm going to show mercy to everyone. Praise the Lord. 
I'm going to provide the way. I want all to come. God wants everyone to come to know him. But he knows not all will. But it says here that all were shut up in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. This mystery of God and the mercy. God's mercy is so great. Extended to all. So can you hear, I hear Paul in the back of my mind saying, Yes, Israel was disobedient. And I've done the same thing. How in the world could God's chosen people reject him, send him to be crucified? How horrible! Thank God I'm a believer. No. I'm a believer because of what they did. Guess what? My disobedience is just as severe as what their disobedience was. He's saying don't be conceited. You sin just like they sin. God showed you mercy. He might even go back into an, an Old Testament scripture that's talking about, look at the rock where you come from. If, you know, if we really want to do anything and get a puffed up chest, we need to understand where we came from. Israel's forefathers was God's chosen people. He brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, brought them to the promised land. Good for them. Let's look at my history. The Gentiles. We ain't got no story like that. We were barbaric from the beginning. So don't get the big head. But God loves all. He loves the Gentile. He loves the Israelite nation. God has the right to show mercy to whom he wants to show mercy to. See, the Gentiles are not better than the Israelites. He's saying Romans 3, 9. What then, are we better? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. So we can't get pig-headed. We can't get boisterous. We can't get conceited about this. Because you see, there is a mystery. We'll never fully understand God's what we're going to look at in just a moment. God's mercy is mercy shown. But third, what about the mind of God? This is where he really, these last few verses, where he brings this whole first part of Romans 1 all the way through 11 together. There's a lot of doctrine, there's a lot of knowledge, a lot of history about who God is. But let's look at this, the mind of God, about God's knowledge. Look there at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. The riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God. What does he say there about it? It says it's unsearchable. We cannot understand. We don't have the knowledge and the wisdom to fully understand God's mind. It says it's unfathomable. It's talking about, you know, there's no depth that you can go down to understand this mercy of God. I mean, can you really, in your mind, fathom a perfect, holy God wanting to love people who hate him? I mean, in your mind, honestly, you don't answer this out loud. But if someone truly hated you, and you knew it, they just told you to your face. I hate your guts. Would you really love them? 
Probably not. Not the way God loved. I sure wouldn't put my child up for something that one of their children did. It's unfathomable. The mercy and the love that God has for us. The depth, the riches, the wisdom and the knowledge. We can't understand his ways. We can't understand his desire for his enemies. What about God's design? Look there at verse 34. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Verse 35. Or who is first given to him that it might be repaid to him? For who has known the mind of the Lord? God did not need my help. In designing this salvation idea. God did not need your help. To create this world. God doesn't need our help in that. Because his plan was his. It's his knowledge. We don't know his mind. And guess what right there. Or who became his counselor. He didn't ask our opinion. When he made up the salvation plan. Praise the Lord. He doesn't ask my opinion. Who needs to be shown mercy and grace. Because there's probably a few I'd tell you maybe they don't need it. But that's wrong on my part. But his mind is so great. His design. And then he says there who first gave to him that it might be repaid to him. We didn't earn God's favor and salvation. God doesn't need anything for us. That's what it's talking about. I didn't give God something so that he would love me. I don't have enough money to buy God's love. There's no one in this world, Bill Gates, anyone else you can think of, Donald Trump. And we can go down a list of people we think have money. They ain't got enough money. God's got more than that. You know what? That's all God's money anyway. We didn't do it. God doesn't need. We haven't given him anything. We don't understand this mind of God because in our world, if we're honest, everything is about barter. It's a give and take. Unfortunately, marriages today are the same way. If you don't give me what I need, I no longer love you. I fell out of love with you. I, I hear that so often. You didn't fall in love anyway. You see, love is to be a picture of what the marriage relationship between Christ and his bride is. That's us. It's unconditional. We don't do anything God gives it to us. And we see here in this last verse 36, the complete circle. The complete circle of life. Let's take a look. Verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things from him. What is from him? Everything is from him. Creation. Who we are. We were created from God. He is the creator it says, through him, he is the sustainer of life. Through him comes our riches, our blessing, our life. And to him, guess what? We're all going back to him. Praise the Lord that are believers. The full circle. God gives. God sustains. And we will return. Through these last few chapters that we've looked at, We've seen the Bible laid out as a whole. 
What does the Bible tell us? There was at one time when God created the heaven and the earth, there was one group of people. People. Then God chose a group of people. He called the Israelite nation. Then we had two groups of people. We have Israelites and we have Gentiles, or the nation of Israel and the Gentile. And then at the end, we see here to him be the glory forever. All things come back together. The church of Jesus Christ is one body. Neither Jew nor Gentile were one group of people. Don't we serve a great God? His plan works. We don't always see it. We don't understand it. It was his plan from creation to send his son to die on the cross because he knew his creation was going to turn against him. What a God. That mystery. Because he wanted to show us mercy. So he sent his son to be like us, to come in, in flesh, but yet to live a perfect life. To die on that cross for us. We'll never understand this mind of God. Ever. But what the true picture. One group of people split, but then reunited together. See, there's coming a day when the nation of Israel will be restored. It's God's plan. He said it even before he sent his son. I'm going to send a son. It's you are my people. And the nation of Israel will always be God's people. And he will fulfill his covenant. Praise the Lord for the nation of Israel. But praise the Lord that I know he fulfills covenants, which means he'll fulfill the covenant of keeping me until his return. And then taking me to be with him. May you bow your heads.